0: Ready? Right. Just in middle of the field, 45-50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his wake. I am Jeff Joniak. again. Blitz is on. <laughs> Down he goes, Oscar. What was it like playing for Coach Dicko? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. A Sunday stroll for Justin
1: Fields. And
2: take it and and
1: it Now. Bears etc brought to you by Miller Lite with the voices of the Bears Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer
0: we got a game this week big Tom Thayer Jeff Joniak and welcome to Bears etc preseason style Saturday afternoon a noon start against the visiting Tennessee Titans yeah I'm excited about it Tom I'm excited about real football huh?
2: oh me too <laughs> I mean there are so many elements of the game that we don't get to pay attention to in an organized and control practice atmosphere When you have a game, all doors are open. If you feel you have a vulnerability left in your game, in the mental part of it, the physical part of it, if you're a player trying to gain confidence, here's either an answer to a question or part of the solution or something you have to work on. And that's the same thing with the coaches. You don't have a scripted practice down. You don't know what defense they're going to face on the offensive side of the ball and vice versa. So I think it's a really important uh, part of the preseason are these games they play. You know,
0: I saw a tweet Uh, earlier from Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback whose career obviously, if you follow the story was uh, a miracle in many ways Uh, wound up being a Super Bowl MVP and a a Hall of Famer uh, advising or reminding those players who aren't getting a lot of snaps in practice right now your time is coming on game day. You're, you're going to play. You may have not been getting a lot of snaps and reps in practice, but you're going to play in these early preseason games.
2: I'm telling you, you know, and sometimes you won't, and that's when you have to have a good a convicted attitude that if I go back to practice the next day and I don't play in a preseason game, I have to give that same effort with the same confidence that I did up until that point. Remember, Jeff, we talk about it all the time. I didn't play until the second half of the last preseason game my rookie year, and I used to walk out of those games in tears for not playing. So I'm that same person that Kurt is, but we had a different road to getting to where we wanted to. Yeah,
0: it's hard to imagine, given your experience and how long you played in this league. Remember, Bears Etc. is brought to you by Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller Time, Chicago. Also coming up in today's podcast, an interview I did Last week, when NFL Network was here at Hallis Hall, in a visit with Scott Pioli, the former executive in the NFL with the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons. Long conversation about his career and his relationship with general manager Ryan Pohl. Some good insight there into the Bears general manager. All right, so a lot going on. We had the uh, family fest at Soldier Field. How'd you think it all went? Yeah, it was a good 20,000-plus good fans battling a few raindrops early. Tony Medlin got all over me because I didn't bring a hat. My hair was getting soaked. He was worried about me. Yeah, you know, I really worried about me.
2: He is. He's concerned. It's the same concern he has for you that he does for his players and the coaching staff and everybody to have the right shoes on, the right equipment. You know, the same thing. Put a hat on if it's raining. But, you know, when you look at the Family Fest, I have a certain appreciation for the fans that come out here and they invest a whole Saturday in coming out to watch a Bears practice. But I think it's really important for the Bears as a team. You don't want questions coming up next Saturday at noon about where's my locker room, how do I get to the locker room, which is the best closest path to the field, What do I, you know, Tony doesn't have time for these. The coaches don't have time for it. So you get those little things out of the way by having Family Fest. You know the route to get to Soldier Field. You know where you park. You know how you leave the stadium. So those little things that you don't want to spend any game day thinking about it, the Family Fest accomplishes a lot.
0: You know, one of the takeaways from my perspective uh, was about, and we talked about it on the sidelines, we were able to stand there and, and watch up close, but, you know, DJ Moore... The suddenness of that player making a catch, planting his foot, and he's history. He's in the end zone. Uh, Chase Claypool's got some suddenness to him. <laughs> Darnell Mooney's got some suddenness to him. And then Roshan Johnson likes contact, it appears. Uh, the big running back with the pads on. He likes to deliver a shot. So I'm excited about that.
2: You know, first of all, the wide receivers, there's a group of guys that are very sudden. Then they have a group of guys that are very big and talented EQ, St. Brown, Chase, Claypool, just to mention a couple of them. So it gives a variety of options when you have a two or three man game to one side of the offensive formation for the quarterback and for Luke Getze. So I like what you see out of all those guys. Really puts a lot of, you know, anticipation, thinking on the defensive backs because they know how quickly. These wide receivers can go in and out of their routes. And then when you look at Roshan Johnson, I'm really excited to see this guy in a full contact drill. He's got running back instincts, he's got the innate ability to predict where the hole's going to open up. And I've seen some things in practice out of him that I want to confirm and verify in my mind before I go yeah. to the mic with them However, everything that I've seen out of Roshan, I really like. Tom,
0: you've been teasing for a while about this. There's something brewing on Roshan. What what are you keeping to yourself here?
2: All right. So, one thing that you always want to look at to a running back that is so talented at the college level and he can run away from defensive backs, he can see the hole and he can burst. But very seldom are they challenged with an extreme responsibility of protecting their quarterback. There's not a lot of blitzing on the inside where the the top running backs are responsible for. And then when they are responsible, do they improve at that task? Roshan Johnson, I gotta say, is one of the best pass blocking running backs I've ever seen come into the league as a rookie. And it's fundamentally sound. It's sustaining. It's contact with feet. You know, when you have a guy like Walter Payton, he would explode into a blitzer and he would just blow him up before he could take another step. That's not always the way the job is done. Sometimes you have to anticipate the distance that's going to close by a linebacker, and you got to be in a right fundamental fundamental position you got to be able to have some explosion into his body and then you have to shift your feet just like an offensive lineman does in his pass protection and from what I've seen out of Roshan Johnson it's not a common occurrence I'm not sitting here bragging about one of these guys year in and year out and when I saw Roshan do it through some individual drills out in the practice field it is as impressive as I've ever seen.
0: Refresh my memory I I, want to say that Neil Anderson was pretty good at it was he?
2: Neil Anderson was his, was great at yeah. it also but he's following the immediate example yeah. of the guy in front of him and that's the way Walter Payton went about his business in the office of running backs coach Johnny Roll and that's the way he taught it you go up there and you meet the linebacker in the hole. Nowadays sometimes you don't have it because of the play action fake gives you a little hesitancy before you commit to your block and so what I've seen out of Roshan not only as a runner, his blocking is as impressive as that.
0: Score huge savings on an impressive lineup of items with jewel osco for you this handy app features hot digital deals on everything from premium produce and savory snacks to butcher fresh meat and more get additional details at JewelOsco.com. jeff joniak tom thayer this is episode five of bears etc big tom Uh, i gotta say you came in a little a little lame today bad shoulder what's up
2: i know i just my shoulder sore sometimes it you know it's like one of those injuries they they always make. They can feel it when it's going to rain or that sometimes it's sore. And I so my right shoulder hurts, and I know exactly why it hurts and when it started hurting me. In 1987, (laughs) I took a rep at left guard because Mark Bortz was kind of hurting a little bit. And so I was doing a one-on-one against Dan Hampton, and he took an inside rip on me, which is to my right shoulder, and it tweaked my shoulder so much in that one rep that I've remembered – the rest of my life and every time Honestly. my right yeah i swear to god every time my right shoulder starts hurting and i told Hamp that this year when we were doing the show over the marquee i go you know ham my right shoulder hurts today and it's all because you <laughs> i've never had a problem with it but that one move you know you go against the hall of famer and sometimes you get a little ding all right
0: that's internal fire there internal uh, uh you know you catch a friendly fire yep. how about anything that's ever happened that you're still feeling now from a opponent
2: uh no not really not, not, like, not like that. You know, there, I, there is one time that we I was playing against Pierce Holt in the San Francisco 49ers out in the San Francisco field. And when I went to plant my foot and kind of stab at him, the grass gave way to my right foot. And my hip kind of like popped out of place and then popped in place. And I remember saying, God, if you know, we had an off week or something at the end of the season, I go, I don't, you know, if it was a week away, I don't know if I'd be able to play. That's one thing I do remember. But that was because of crappy field conditions.
0: All in a day's work, Tom, all right. in a career's work. Uh, there's plenty of guys out here feeling feeling the, uh, the pain as well, and they're playing right now because once camp starts, you're never healthy the rest of the year, 100% anyway. Your body never feels as good. Now, well,
2: how do you overcome that? You know, I I think you're healthy, but you have body soreness. That's just a part of it. And they have one of the best training staffs, training rooms in the NFL, where if you have something they have to bring to the attention of one of the trainers, they're going to be able to help you out. And so that's just part of the game. And when Matt talked at the podium last year about developing callousness within this team, that's part of the calluses that you have to develop. You're not always going to feel great. You're not always going to feel 100%. So when you do, you got to go out there and give your best effort effort, and you know what we still have the same expectations for you we're not going to let you miss blocks or tackles or plays because you got an owie
0: pnc bank a proud sponsor as well of bears etc brought to you by pnc official Bank of the Bears, as I alluded to at the top of the show, Scott Pioli and I sat down, the former NFL executive, to talk all things football and all things Ryan Poles, a comprehensive look from his perspective on the Chicago Bears and the NFL in general. Kind enough to join us, Scott Pioli, uh, one of the premier executives in NFL history, and I say that because, for those who don't know, you were named Executive of the Decade in the 2000s to 2010. That's significant right there. A lot of Super Bowls, a lot of touchstones, and now spreading the knowledge That's on a lot NFL. Of years ago, yeah, but you know what? Still spreading <laughs> the knowledge on NFL Network, Sirius XM, and all things football because you love this game. I
1: love this game. Thank you for so much so much for the kind words. Um yeah, I don't like this game. I love this game. I love the history of the game. I love the history of the people that allow us—I mean, look at us—we're sitting here in a room talking about—and you know, and, and everyone's doing it across the country—and it's—and it's because of the people before us. You know, um, I love and respect this game on a level that, um, you know, even when you end up working in it, whether you're a coach or a GM or a scout, all of us were fans of this game as boys. Yeah. And you know, I, it's interesting—I told the story. I love this franchise. I love this organization. Why? I love this city. Well, it, part of it goes back to, again, I'm, I am a complete sap for the history of the game. Mm. But, you know, throughout my entire football life, meaning when, when I was a player in Pop Warner in high school, or junior high, high school and college, I wore number 51 my okay. entire life. And um, <laughs> it was because of Dick Buckus. He He was... I, I, you know, watching him on NFL films when I was, you know, when still I gives you kid, goosebumps. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And and what gave me goosebumps? Like I'm not a I'm not a fanboy in the sense where, you know, there was never a point in my life where I met celebrities or athletes and was kind of taken back. It's only happened twice in my life, and the first time was when I met Jim Brown when I worked oh, for the Cleveland yeah. Browns, and a year later we were actually playing the Chicago Bears. And I don't know if you remember, but in the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, all the radio yeah. was done up on the roof, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's where we watched the game from, right. too. And I knew Dick Buckus did the radio, and I was making sure that I was around. <laughs> I was like, I got to meet Dick Butkus. And But the history of this organization and and the, the McCaskey family, the house family, this entire – there's so much history here. And, again, if you love and respect the game – it's not just about the now. It's about understanding how we got to where we were and the endurance that families that are are at the heart of this game. It's, um, you know, I, I just love it. And yeah. again, I could sit yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Willie Gallimore. I, I mean, Gail Sayer. I, I know those are big names, but they're, you know, Doug Buffone. There were, when I turned on TV as a kid and saw the Bears, I mean, I understand what. The, you, know, the, you knew there was I, a there butt was, kicking going to go oh, on. You may not win, but was somebody ball. was going to yeah, leave the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you'll
0: be. I wish you were around when this happened because you would have got a huge kick out of it. Uh, the late uh, Gail Sayers and I sat down and went through his six touchdown game with the old oh. tape in a studio. That's the 49ers? Yes, broke down every <laughs> run. Now, he, he, he didn't have complete memory, mm. but I'll tell you what, he lit up when he said, Look how I ran. Because oh. it literally looked like he made cuts in midair. It did, it, right. it, and it felt and looked like it when you watched it on tape. And I was, I had the the clicker, so I was in charge. That's awesome. That was fascinating. And then, Butkus, Kansas Comet, wasn't that his name? Yeah, Kansas Comet. But Butkus uh, agreed to do a long interview in a hotel room in the city, and we sat there for almost five hours, going through every step of his life. And these are rare things that not every organization has, right? You don't have that history starting in 1920, uh, but you embrace every second of it. I too, you know, we we practiced against the Patriots years ago when John Fox was head coach, and I, I, I took the chance, if I may say, of, of saying hello to Coach Belichick as we we're walking off the practice mm-hmm. field. And, you know, and he's always dialed in, so I have to respect that as a coach. I just introduce myself. I go, I love the history of the game. I, I try to collect books on the NFL. Stopped in his tracks, and he he starts telling me about. The convergence of West Coast offense after World War II at the Great Lakes Naval, and
1: where his dad was coaching, and playing. So,
0: I love connecting those dots. It's, it's. I think you when you the passion of the game never goes away if it's instilled in you, and it was at a young age by my dad, and
1: clearly was you. And that's one of the. uh, uh, We could talk about this all day, but that's one of the keys to a relationship with Bill Belichick. And Bill and I, when we met. One of the things we talked about, just very naturally, was the history of the game because he had asked me questions, and I knew I grew up in New York, and he, and I knew every giant from the late sixties to the early seventies, but then even the ones before my lifetime. So it's it's again the, having the context, the history, and, yeah. and and the respect for this game because that we enjoy so much is just always remembering where we came from. It's funny I was t- uh, I I'll, I know yeah. we've got questions to get through, but yeah. I, I mentioned to someone yesterday how the last time I was at Bears camp. Um, was in Platteville in yeah. the Cheese League. Oh, yeah. So when I was with the Cleveland Browns yeah. in 1994, we went up there, right? Dave it was a war. Was <laughs> it was a <laughs> war. Clear. It was
0: a war. Those practices <laughs> were out of
1: control. They were out of control. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were out of control. Oh, yeah. Because remember, we were supposed to have that one last big practice. Yeah, it canceled. It was a scrimmage. Yeah. It was yeah. canceled. Uh-huh. Each team had to have inter-squad <laughs> scrimmages. But, I mean, the people t- – I mentioned the Cheese League, and, like, all the guys right. looked at me like, the Cheese League? Yep. What's the Cheese yep. League? Yep. I mean, yeah, there were eight NFL teams that chose to go to Wisconsin or – minnesota right on the border i think they were in yeah. mankato i think maybe but um i mean the jacksonville jaguars bought their yeah, brought their training yeah. camp to saints, Wisconsin. The saints took the saints, exactly saints up there right.
0: that was my first year covering wow nfl was the 85 bears as a, as a young wow. pimply faced kid who was scared to death of steve mcmichael and dan hampton to go up to interview them but the present day bears hope to have that yeah, let's same talk growl about them a little bit the yeah. same growl you know get that defense taking the ball away uh Lots to talk about, but everything goes back. The arrow points to QB one. Yep. Yeah, wearing that yep. number one. And you know, we touched on this in just some casual conversation. And I've I've get I've become kind of opinionated about the whole. You know, just because Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen made the jump from year one to year two, and then year two and the takeoff year three. And by the way, they happen to get Stefan Diggs. They happen to get AJ Brown, and the Bears get CJ Moore. Um, it's amazing. Now it's almost every fan, every media person think it's an automatic. Every story's different. Explain uh, why. Yeah, Scott?
1: it's it's. I'm I'm glad we talked a little bit about this. I'm so glad we're visiting this now because I, I think it's so unfair right now to Justin Fields when you hear those kind of things and when you make comparisons because when you when you make comparisons on certain small data points and don't look at those data points in context, there's a lot of mistakes to be made and there's a lot of expectations that can be created that are unfair and just very unfair. And to me, I've always believed that player development, particularly the quarterback position, is circumstantial. And I say circumstantial in the sense of What is the rest of the roster like? What are the teachers around the people? Who is raising them? What are the circumstances that they come into? Who are the people that they're around? What is the talent like that they're around? I mean, Jalen Hurts, he has a lot of talent around him. And, oh, by the way, he's had consistently one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. The Bears are not there yet. Are the Bears improving? Are the Bears getting better? Have they improved their receiving room? Absolutely. Have they improved the tight end room by bringing in Tunyon, who can also complement Cole Komet? Absolutely. We don't know what their running game is, although the rookie from Texas is one of those guys I have. I have Got my eye on, too. But is their offensive line better? Heck, yeah. But, again, I think everyone needs to tap the brakes because if the expectations for Justin Fields or the comparison is these things that were spectacular – There were so many other factors that impacted. You know, I go back. Hey, I was there when we drafted Brady, right? I saw him sit the bench. I saw what he came into. And I know we won a Super Bowl that year in his first year as a starter. However, everyone talks about Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. And and Tommy had a – he had a – above average – he had a good season. He had some good games. But what led that team to a championship was our defense – And our special teams, we were an opportunistic team. We put our offense in situations and circumstances where they could do the things that were in Tommy's wheelhouse and in Charlie Weiss's wheelhouse and Dick Rabine, who was a quarterback coach. And those things came together. What Tommy didn't do is he didn't lose the game. He didn't screw things up. But really... You know, it, the other thing we had was we had a 1,200-yard rusher in Antoine Smith that year. So there's all these things that yeah. lead to the development of a quarterback that are not only teammates but, again, circumstantial.
0: But I also don't want people to just say, hey, but the game's different now. You know, mm. you, don't, you don't need to run the football to win. I still believe you do, especially in the playoffs. You um, need to have no. a great defense. You need to take the ball. You know, all those things to set your guy up. You, uh,
1: yeah. I, I want to jump in there because you're yeah. saying something that, that's brilliant. Trevor. Yeah. It's – in order to pass the ball, you need to be able to run the ball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At some point in yeah. time, personnel-wise, they're going to find ways to lock things down. And if you can't run the ball in the National Football League, you're going to have problems eventually.
0: Growth of Ryan Poles also in this equation. Uh, when you're 36, I think he was, when he got the job, um, inevitably, and you've been in the, in, in the shoe many times in that chair, which he makes. I sat in his chair in the draft room the other day because I had to do something for him for some Chicago uh, school kids. And he goes, go sit in the hot seat. (laughs) And I sat next to George McCaskey, chairman of the board, and I felt blushed. Like, I can't be sitting in this seat. But the seat is always hot. But growth will come. Everything's not going to happen for him right away either. There will be decisions that don't always work out. They're going to backfire. And you you just hope to, in the bigger picture, build the foundation and then the structure and then the roof on the house, and you decorate the crap out of it and then you become a Super Bowl contender. Right?
1: It takes time. Absolutely. And here's the other thing, though, is, is Poles has built-in humility. He makes decisions with confidence, but he, he combines his confidence with a degree of humility and, quite honestly, he overthinks. If he hears this, he's probably going to hate me saying that, but I can relate to that because I'm an overthinker also. And so am I. And But, but there's something I about am. the overthinker. There's, it means you have some humility that you don't have this hubris that you want to get it right and you want to get it right for the right reasons and that you're willing to make a decision. If it goes wrong, you look at the process and figure out how you're going to get it right the next time. You know, it's funny, you mentioned polls. So polls, I was 35 when I got oh, into that role okay. at the New England Patriots as well. And there's, you know, Poles and I have talked about this. You get in that position, even though I didn't have that title, I was the vice president of player personnel and I was making those decisions and setting the draft board and free agents, all the stuff that Poles has. And heck yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, I was, I was, I was complimenting him on the things that I saw that were good. Right. And the things that he had done well. And he very quickly and and, and not in a um, disingenuous way at all. He let me know, yeah, but here's where I screwed this up, and this is what I did. You know, I felt awful about this one player where he did. This and I had to look at Mr. McKe- at George and yeah. and say, you know. And just feel that guilt. It's not fantasy football. It's a billion-dollar industry. I I get it. And I said, listen, you're going to make those mistakes. It's going to happen. And one of the coolest things that helped set me free mentally and emotionally, I mentioned the polls yesterday, was there was a point in time where I made a move. It was a free agent move. It cost Robert money. And a bunch of them were working out really, really well. This one didn't work out well. And I'll never forget, Robert had this moment where he, he can needle you with the best of them. Talking and, about Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft, yep. yeah, I'm sorry. And he could needle you with the best of them. But he also could read me well enough at that time where he said, hey, listen, let it go. That's the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. And I said to polls, I said, you know, there's going to be some times and some places where you're going to make decisions. Man, you ain't going to get them right. There's going to be some times where, hey, that was the cost of doing business because it seemed right at the time. Just get most of them right. And, and, and you know, we, he and I can bond over the fact that we were, you know, we were kids in this industry. He started 35. I started 35 in terms of that role. And what uh, a resource for him to have you. Oh, I, As a, you know, you I, brought I him appreciate. into this game.
0: Yeah, you did. You brought him into this game. And that's I, a, a I, nice, nice
1: resource to have. I appreciate that. But I'll tell you this even when Ryan was young, when I hired him in 2009 and I was the general manager and we had won all those champions, I had all these pelts, right? That dude came in and helped me in ways that mm. I can't even fully articulate in terms of balance. Um, he had, you know, I used to t- kiddingly call him the union leader, right? Because he was he was one of the youngest guys in-house on the scouting staff. And I don't believe in sycophants. I never wanted to be surrounded by sycophants. Poles knew that, understood that, and he had the strength to come in to me. And again, this guy that I had just hired, that I knew him when he was at BC, and he would say, Hey, Scott, you know, can we close the door? And he would bring things to me that he felt I was I don't know if mm. not that I was either wrong about or that he felt needed to be discussed. Mm. And um so he was a blessing in my life, trust yeah. me. And I'm not saying that just because yeah. we're, well, I'm in Chicago no, and talking about it. But polls. it takes some He was a blessing. Real intentional in, in, fortitude. In <laughs> yeah, but the thing was he could do it in such a way in a, I here's the thing. With polls, you quickly learn his heart. And when you understand his heart, you understand his intentions. He was not in there telling me things to be um manipulative. He was not telling me things to be um you know, intentionally disruptive. Um, and he, I think he knew that I trusted him. Yeah. So he could say things to me and he did say things. And, and as leaders, you want people like that. You need people like that around and too many people fail on the side of surrounding himself with sycophants yeah. and people wanting to, to be on the yes, right side. I yes, grew closer yes. to polls because he told me truth. So
0: is Darnell Wright a perfect Ryan Polls pick?
1: I don't know if it's perfect, time will tell, but I'll tell you what. I'm just saying the type
0: of player that we're looking
1: at potentially here. So, you know, it's interesting because I I evaluate a lot of these guys that do some college consulting work with programs, and so I saw a lot of SEC tape. I saw Mm -hmm. this, you know, I saw quite a bit of him. I saw the Alabama game that everyone likes to talk about and that matchup. And, um, you know, public perception, he wasn't one of the guys, right? He wasn't. And Poles and I talked about that, and he said, you know, people have this perception. but I just think that he's got this maturity level. And here's what I going to say. I don't know how this career is going to work out. I don't know how this season is going to work out. But you've been here enough to see. You saw what he looked like last season on tape from a body tape uh, type and a body makeup standpoint. This is a guy who intentionally hired an offensive lineman as his agent who was going to speak truth to him. He came back, and now the story's out there. Everyone how he trained and prepared yeah. by running the wide yeah. receiver, right. you know, conditioning test. But you've seen his body, Yes. And and I don't know what the number is. I think it's 10, 12 pounds that he lost. Sixteen, but, but sixteen pounds. Sixteen.
2: But the other in forty thing days, is
1: this he he has reproportioned his body mm-hmm. in such a short time. Here's what here's what I do know. This kid cares. Yeah. This kid cares about being successful. He cares about being good. He's got the tools. He's got the skills. He's got the ability. I saw yesterday in practice, you know, they're they're not even they're in shells, they're not yeah. even in pads, and he wants to screw someone in the ground. He can't wait for the pads to get on. Um, he's got everything that you need. And sometimes you don't know at what rate guys are gonna mature. Right now, in a short time, I've seen a guy who just finished a season at Tennessee and is moving right now towards a pretty quick maturity level.
0: All right, got to watch practice. But I wrap can. us up with a short answer on this question, the impact of a Tremaine Edmonds mm. who experienced so much success at a young age and took things over at 19. Now he's, now he's making all the calls here. And then just the Super Bowl experience of a guy who fought hard to get where he is, an undrafted free agent, and a local guy in TJ Edwards. What will that do? For the Bears.
1: Edmonds and Edwards, they're taking the team over. They've yeah. taken that defense. Yeah. You could see they have an energy. Sometimes you can sit there and do scouting, you know, all the data points again and all the analytics, all that stuff. But when you see dudes doing stuff and yeah. leading people, you know, that's things thing is I tell people one of the most underrated things about our championship teams in New England. We had good players. We had better leaders. We had a locker room-led football team. And there's an energy with some of the guys that you just mentioned that are, you know, it's it. you could see this thing shifting. But, again, let's not expect yes. a Super Bowl this year. Let's not expect necessarily even the division championship. Do you want it? Heck, yeah. But there's some good competition. The Bears are getting better. The Lions are getting better. The Vikings are pretty good. This is not a rollover division. So just be patient and let the process play out.
0: We could talk forever, we could. but we got work to do. <laughs> that is Scott Pioli. Thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. Thank you.
0: So a nice conversation. We got a lot of insight into what uh, Ryan Poles really is behind closed doors and working elbow to elbow with somebody, shoulder to shoulder with which he did coming into the league with Scott Pioli, brought him to Kansas City in 2009. Any takeaways from you?
2: Yeah, you know, the thing that I always liked about Ryan Poles and his development into the GM position is the fact that after his career was over, he didn't take time off. He stayed in the football business, kept his mind and his eyes on the business and the development of all the stages of the inner office. And I think that's why Ryan has raised up the flagpole, and he's a GM in the NFL right now. And you hear Scott Pioli say positive things about him in his upbringing into this business. This is why Ryan is as successful as he is.
0: How about uh, the other aspect of what everybody's talking about in the Justin Fields comparisons, other quarterbacks trying to, you know, we, we brought it up on this show about Josh Allen, his third year, and his new receiver, and that was Stephon Diggs, and then you go to what's going on with Jalen Hurts, and he gets A.J. Brown, and now D.J. Moore's here. He said it's a bit unfair because it's circumstantial. Every There's other factors uh, I thought it was a good point he
2: made it, it is a good point because talent is A big part of the support of the quarterback And the support of the team However, the improvements that you want To see Justin go through Can factor on every single stage Of the offense, his running ability His throwing ability, and the way The offense runs itself in the, in the running Game, so it, it, hey, It's always going to be fun to pay uh, pay Attention to Justin because he has Explosive athleticism, he has An unbelievable arm, now you got to be able to put consistency in the system that's born by Luke Getze into the eyes in the uh, in the way Justin sees it.
0: Bears, etc., also sponsored by United Airlines, official airlines of the Chicago Bears. All right, Charles Pina Tillman was uh, in practice this week, got a chance to talk to him then. He was also at Family Fest. Uh-huh. Uh, enjoyed talking to him there as well. You had a long conversation with him. What's, what yeah. stuck out about Peanuts' perspective of you know, what's going on?
2: Uh, Charles and I were sitting there talking about hand play from offensive line standpoint of view. How you got to be able to keep your hands in the framework of the body of a defensive lineman when you're in pass protection or just trying to control him. He was saying that as a defensive back, his hand fighting was very similar to that as an offensive lineman. When he stood in a stance above a, def- uh, above a wide receiver, he he kept his hands up where you see a lot of defensive backs mm-hmm. keep their hands back on their side. He was saying that he thinks that the time that you take to raise your hands gives an opportunity for a wide receiver to get into his route. So with Charles's length, he's able to keep his hands up and become an immediate hand fighter as soon as the movement of the wide receiver. They don't pay attention to the cadence. They don't pay attention to the snap of the ball. They pay attention to the movement of the defensive back. So I found that really interesting and so ever since Charles and I were talking about that, I started paying attention to the specific hand placement of defensive backs, whether it's on the Bears or in the first preseason game or the preseason games coming up.
0: Uh, that's why I like corners with length. If you can get it, you know, get them in here. If they can play, if they marry it with their feet, because even if they get beat, they can rally. That length matters. They can get their hand in the in the bucket, in the basket, and uh, – knock that ball away if they happen to lose a step on a guy. Charles was great at well, that. You know, I mean, that's the one
2: thing that. I love about the uh, us, the opportunity that we have to be in this job for so long because we have a chance to broadcast the entire career of a lot of these guys, and then you have the ability to have conversations with them after the fact. So we're not talking to right. you about what you're going to do this weekend. We're talking about what you did 10 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever. It's the same thing as that Family Fest talking to Patrick Manley. You know, he's the same guy that you can put some questions about snapping and everything. And then this morning on the phone, I talked to Gary Fensick and he was at the Family Fest. So there's so many great questions that come up between these guys. But going back to the Charles Tillman conversation, I got a great education by just the conversation with him. And I think it's really beneficial going forward.
0: Yeah, a lot of guys were uh, giving him a fist bump on the sideline uh, just Being around somebody like that that has a reputation and can give you some insight, any little advantage to help in your development, that's uh, also critical.
2: That same day, Charles Tillman also caught his first offensive pass of his career so he's standing <laughs> off to the he's standing off to the sideline and it's good discipline by Justin because Justin took the snap he looked around there was nowhere to throw the ball he so threw it he to starts, Charles threw it right to him standing on the sideline Charles made a perfect catch oh, I the ball that. back and I said it's kind of funny I was talking to Charles at family Fest and going you know I saw you catch your first offensive pass in your career and after all these years to get it thrown to you by Justin. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah,
0: he had plenty of interceptions and pick sixes in his yep. career, that's for sure. Game day snacking calls for good foods. Chunky guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while the Bears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. Jeff and Tom here on Bears Etc. Got a busy week ahead. Can't believe it's a game week. It's just it's now it's a rhythm. Now you get into a rhythm of games, and then next week, we're off to Indianapolis for the uh, two practices with the Colts, and I don't even want to preview that yet, but I'm super excited.
2: Well, you know, you sit here, we sit here all day at training camp, we watch practice all day, we get a chance to watch some tape, and then at night they got the preseason games that start Thursday night. And it's part of the addiction. Mm, you know, it is an addiction. It is. Yeah. And even though you're not at practice, and I know there's games on TV, I can't not not watch them. Listen,
0: S- okay, <laughs> 6.3 million viewers of the Hall of Fame game. Not yeah. one starter played in the game.
2: Yeah. 6.3. I, I think it's the appreciation for football action. Not only do they want to see the new Hall of Famers that are being brought into the to the Hall of Fame, but I think there's a lot of excitement around the league. And, uh, you know. And Tom,
0: the NFL has no peer in this regard. No. I mean,
2: the, the people no.
0: love this game. They right. just can't get enough of it. You know, it's like Peoli was saying, you know, we have an addiction to this game. You just love, love the game. All right. Uh, any other things that uh, – You'd like to discuss because I, I I'll do one and then you can throw one at me. Right. Darnell Wright comes out there with a very oh. serious demeanor. Yep, and he's a, he's going to be a bad man out there. He yeah. is. He is going to be exactly what everyone thinks he's going to be, and that is going to be a nasty right tackle. Uh, some of the technical things that Matt Eberflus talked about after that family fest practice was. Yep, he's staying square. He's using his hands. He's got patient hands. Sets quickly. A lot of good things there for both the run and pass game. Well, what are your observations about him and then some other thoughts?
2: You know, he's a very powerful man. So if they need an impact zone on their offensive running game, that they can go by it even when the opponent knows it. He's got that type of explosiveness. He's got very low drive and leverage against the running game. He can really get underneath players even though they happen to be shorter than him. He's got very clever feet where he can adjust and readjust from an outside move to an aggressive inside. Mood, move he always keeps his head up and his body square he's got a really wide frame but he can still be very active with his hands on inside I am I'm so excited to watch the overall development of of Darnell and uh remember that picture I showed you of me and Mark Bortz walking out to practice a couple yeah and you looked at the expressions on our oh, face yeah, they're quite serious same thing with him. Yeah. When I think of the expressions you used to walk out with the morning practice and just know what you were getting ready to go through, when I look at these guys and I like to get to the practice early to watch their approach to coming in the practice field, so you can tell a lot about these guys. Do they hit the practice field with a little hop in their step or are they dragging their cleats where they're not even coming out of the grass? And so Darnell has always given me a really positive feeling. You know,
0: another thing about being out there earlier, just showing up at Soldier Field along the before uh, the activity started, just the the assistant coaches, scouts, whether you just you're t- your storytelling. So I, I, I we learned that John Hoke ran a four five forty back in the day.
2: Yeah, uh, John, way to go! Yeah, <laughs> nice. You know, these
0: NFL days,
2: he's an athlete. He's my age. He's my era. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's back aboard of the Bears.
0: United Airlines official airlines of the Chicago Bears and Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears, tastes like Miller Time Chicago. I got one final thought to wrap this up. Yeah. Mercedes Lewis, he's just different. His body's different. He's 18 years deep in this league, and he looks fantastic. Now, I can't wait to see him at practice and what he's going to leave in the locker room for these guys. And the same with uh, Yannick Ngakwe when he shows up uh, for practice here on on Tuesday here at uh, Hall. I
2: I love guys that love football. And there's no way that you're going to play 18, 19 years in the NFL if you don't love the sport. And I think that's some of the – Reflection that some of these young guys need out of an older, experienced guy like Mercedes Lewis is the game is important to him. He's got all the desire in the world to be on a football team, and here he is now wearing Chicago Bear blue and orange.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you're enjoying Bears, etc. For Tom there I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.